Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let me read that again. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I'd like for that verse to stay up up there on the screen for just a moment. I want us to to talk through this verse before I, I get to the heart of the message today. Faith. Is it something that you can touch and handle? Yes or no? No. But substance, is that something that we can touch and handle? Yes. So we see faith being intangible, yet substance being tangible. Do you find that a little strange? It's okay to nod your head if you do. Because there are many times when we look at the Word of God and we think, this doesn't quite make sense if we start to break it down. But then it says, it's, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Then, I want to ask, hope, is that something that you can touch? No. But it goes on to say the evidence. Can you touch evidence? Yes. Of things not seen. Can you touch what you can't see? No. So, we see a lot of intangible yet tangible. Intangible yet tangible. And the whole subject of Hebrews chapter 11 is faith. And probably most of you are thinking that's exactly where Matthew's going to go today. I'm going to surprise you on that one. I have preached from this chapter many, many times. And God has highlighted something in this verse that I think we all struggle with. And maybe some of you are struggling with that this morning. We all, I believe, struggle with faith. But I'm not going to so much emphasize the struggle of faith, but the struggle of hope. Anybody today struggling with hope? You've lost your hope. I, I, I'm going to pull out my phone for just a minute and uh, pull up a definition of hope. And there's a method to my madness. Hope is defined as a feeling of ex- expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. Some of you have probably expected things to happen a certain way in your life. And you've been disappointed. Has anybody been there? You, you, maybe you set out in a marriage and you, you had these expectations. And those expectations didn't happen as you expected. Maybe you took a job and you thought everything's going to go this way. And then one day you walk into work and your boss says, you're out of a job. And your world's shaken. And then you start putting out resumes and you can't get a job. And then you're wondering, God, where are you in all of this? If we're real this morning, we have been there. Maybe you've gotten a report from the doctor. 
And it, it's a bleak report. And, and the doctor says, this is what's going to happen to you. Or this is what's not going to happen to you. And it's not necessarily what we want to hear. And then we begin to lose hope. The verb form is to want something to happen or to be the case. Of course, we see the ideas of expectation, anticipation, optimism, confidence, faith, trust, belief, conviction, assurance, promise, possibility. Synonyms to the word hope are aspiration, desire, wish, ambition, aim, goal, plan, or design. And I say all that to say this. Many of you have lost your hope today. You're looking around. Maybe you're looking at family situations. Maybe you're looking in America. And here's where I'll tie this in to this weekend. Things look a little bit hopeless for our country, many of us would say. Some of you might have a different opinion, but I think the general consensus is looking around and they're remembering a day when things were better and now we're looking around saying, God, is there any hope for our nation to turn back around? And today I want to speak to those of us who have lost hope in one form or fashion. Some churches have lost hope. They're existing. I don't see that within our church, but God has allowed me to serve in several churches, and some of those today are just operating just out of habit. But truth be known, they don't have hope. They don't expect anything to happen. They're, they're just, the, the only hope they have is, is hoping that the doors don't close. And we're in a sad day. So I want to speak to those of us today who have lost our hope. You might think, well, Matthew, I, here I am at this point in my life and I feel hopeless. My faith is weak. I, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And some of you are asking, how can I get from this point back to a point where I have hopes and dreams and ambitions and goals and desires and, and I'm full of faith like I used to be? I have to, I have to admit that there's, there's a, a, an element of me that feels this message today. Because not too long ago, my life changed in some unexpected ways. And it was such a shock to me because here I expected things to go one way and they ended up going another. And I went through a time of grappling with God and questioning, God, what are you doing? Where are you in this? And then God did some wonderful things in the process of healing. And I want you to back up now and see how God can heal you in your hopelessness. If you would, back up to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. 
You may not even have to turn the page. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. I think many people think that, okay, when hopelessness enters our lives, we have to just accept what it is and go along with it. But God has a plan, and I want you to see that plan here in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. I want to kind of set this into context. Here in Hebrews chapter 10, Jesus, uh, or the writer of Hebrews, is speaking about Jesus Christ and His sacrifice being once and for all. When He died on Calvary's cross and gave His life, that sacrifice was once and for all. And whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And, and you don't have to call again and again and again and again for salvation because once He saves you, He keeps you. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? That he forever has you in his grip. And there are times maybe when you don't feel like it, but nevertheless, you are in his grip. And, and he says, because of all this, in verse 19, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, he gives a series of let us do such and such. In verse 22 he says, let us draw near. Because of what Jesus has done, we can draw near to the Father with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Some of you today, your hopelessness might be related to the fact that you don't feel forgiven. You might say, Matthew, you don't know what I've done. I don't need to know what you've done. I think we all struggle at times with forgiving ourselves more than we struggle sometimes with forgiving others. We beat ourselves up for mistakes that we've made and things that we knew we shouldn't have done but we did anyway. And Jesus can forgive all of that and give us the grace to forgive ourselves. But then he gives another let us in verse 23. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. There's that word hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. I think many of us today are struggling with hope because we have a, a bad view of God. Maybe some of you are sitting here today and you're really questioning God. You're saying, is God really faithful? Is God who He says He is? Is God fair? Have any of you ever asked that? Let's be honest, folks. I have. While I've been on staff in a church, I have asked that very question. I've looked around and I've wondered about circumstances and I've thought, God, why? This doesn't seem right. So I know if somebody who's an ordained minister is, has struggled with that, I know that every one of you at some point in your life has struggled with the same thing. We can't, I, I, I know most of us have been trained to come into church with 
a certain look on our faces. Did anybody, does, it, does anybody in here ever change from the car to when you walk in that door? I'm hearing some laughs, so evidently that's a yes. Especially those of us who have children. Can I get a witness? We, all of a sudden, I mean, we're driving in and we're, I mean, we're just chewing our kids out. And then all of a sudden we step out of the car. Oh, Brother Bill, how you doing? And, and all of a sudden, Brother Bill, who just had to fuss at his children, says, oh, I, I'm blessed today and highly favored. How about you? And we, and we put on this church talk. Right? And, and, and we, we mask the hopelessness that we feel. We mask the reality that we're struggling with parenting. We mask the fact that we're struggling with our finances. We mask the fact that we're struggling with things at work or, or whatever it might be. We mask that because for some reason, and I don't know where this ever was taught, but somehow we caught on to this idea that when we walked into church, we had to put on a face. And the idea of the New Testament church is totally contradictory to that principle. Jesus never said, walk into the door of the sanctuary and be a fake. He condemned hypocrisy. He constantly hounded those who pretended to be one thing when they were another. The Pharisees, the religious people, that's what they did all the time. They were pretending to be holier than thou when they were so full of sin. Jesus said, they draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So what do we do? What do we as the church do? Do we come here and just try to pretend that we are full of hope and full of faith because we're afraid that somebody might condemn us for the truth? I have to admit, for several years, I felt like I had to keep an image. Like I was the example of faith being on a church staff. Or that I was the example of hope or I was the example of this, that, and the other. And, and, and I, I do my best by God's grace to live the life that he's called me to live. But there are times when if you were to ask me how I'm doing and I would tell you the truth, it's not so good. And I want you to see, beginning in verse 24, how we can find a solution to our hopelessness. But before I do that, what is the tendency of most of us when, when we feel hopeless and everything's falling apart in our lives? What do we do? Do we, do we gather close to people or do we isolate? As Pastor Jimmy would say, that's a question. <laughs> what do we do? Do, do, we, do we start gathering around people that we know will help us in our walk or do we isolate? We isolate, don't we? we? We get away, we go and sit in our houses, we get away from the crowd, and we sit and we sulk. I'm saying that because I've done that personally. I, I turn off the lights, and, and I sit there in, in my 
loneliness or whatever I'm going through when God has designed a way for us to get through our hopelessness and, and get to a point where we see light at the end of the tunnel. And here's where it is in verse 24. Let us consider one another. I'm going to stop there for a minute. What percentage of your life do you spend considering other people? quiet in here. <laughs> now remember, I've had to ask myself this question before I've come up here. So the Holy Spirit's jabbing me just as much as He's jabbing you. How much do we consider one another? We're in a, such a fast-paced society and we're spending so much time focusing on our schedules, what I have to do, I, 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 and we have totally forgotten about a widow who's just lost a husband tragically or someone who's lost a child or someone who's lost everything they have. We're so busy with me, 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 me. And maybe if we just considered one another, we might be able to help even ourselves out of our own hopelessness by forgetting about ourselves, but then also ministering to one another will help somebody get through that dark time in their life. It says, let us consider one another. Why? In order to stir up love and good works. And now to the verse that many of you have probably heard all your life, verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. And, and this is typically used as a pastor's guilt trip uh, to, to make sure that nobody misses a Sunday morning, Sunday night, or a Wednesday night service. <laughs> I'm, I'm just being honest now. I was a pastor for a little while, so I, 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 can, I can tell you what has gone through the mind of pastors. And, and I have pastor friends who do this. They, they take this verse and they, they try to beat up people. And, and, and that's not at all what the writer of Hebrews, and more specifically the Holy Spirit, was intending to do with this verse. It says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but I want you to notice this next part. But exhorting one another. Well, you might say, Matthew, what does the word exhort mean? Build up. Encourage. Anybody in here need some encouragement today? This is why we gather. We don't gather because it's good southern tradition. We don't gather because uh, we feel legalistically bound because God says to do it. We gather as a church because we need each other. I'll be honest, I need you as my brothers and sisters in Christ. You need those around you. You might be looking at your neighbor, and I hope it's not your spouse, and oh, I don't, no, 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 but if so, 
When Pastor Jimmy feels better, you can call him for counseling. <laughs> but anyway, we need that encouragement. But churches, this is where many of them fail. They're so busy trying to build a crowd that they forget about the Scripture. I've seen churches grow doing this, but the growth shouldn't be our focus. The encouragement, the building up, when we, when we come together in this place to reach out to somebody that you know is struggling in life, exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Do you think we need it now more than ever? I'm going to ask that again. Do you think we need it now more than ever? Yes. I need it now more than ever. Because these are the darkest days I have ever seen in my life. And you, some of you are looking like, Matthew, you're only 34 years old, man. <laughs> you lived as long as I have. You, for those of you who have, who could, who could be my parents or some even my grandparents. You have seen the, the hopelessness grip our nation. You have seen hopelessness at every turn. And you know more than I do that we need this encouragement. So what are we going to do with this? We're going to say, oh, hey, this is a good message. Or, yeah, I agree with what the Bible says. And will we walk out the door today and not put this into practice? Or will this change the way we think about church? Most people think the church is about this organization and the walls, and, 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 the, man, and the, the fiscal management, and all of that. But Jesus, when he first introduced the idea of the church, he said, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What he was saying, that word church has nothing to do with the organization. He said, I am building a body of blood-bought believers. That word church means ecclesia, called out ones. What are ones? People. You and me. Those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. He said, I'm building a group of people. I'm building an army for my glory. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. So what are we going to do? Are we going to go about business as usual or are we going to start encouraging, considering one another? You're either in one of two categories today. Maybe you're among those that feel hopeless, but you've come to church in hopes that maybe just maybe you might find an answer. Or you're in the category where you're not feeling so hopeless right now, but you, you know what it's like. 
Here in a minute when we give the invitation, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something that might be a little uncomfortable and a little unusual, but if the Spirit of God's leading you to do it, I want to, to encourage you to do it. But I want to say one final thing before, before I pray and, and we give this invitation. Maybe you're sitting here hopeless today because Jesus isn't the Lord of your life. You're living for self. You're, you think, I've got plenty of time. None of us knows how long we have. Being a part-time hospice chaplain, we had five deaths in a period of two and a half weeks. Two of those... One was 37, one was 42. We don't know. And that hits close to home. 37, only three years older than myself. So we don't know. But we do know that the cure for hopelessness is to start considering one another and exhorting one another. I believe with all my heart that the church has lost some ground because we're not putting this into practice. So as we pray, I, I, I just want you in the stillness of this moment, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want, I want you just to ask God what He's saying to you and to be open to it. And I, I'm going to ask you to do something. I, during this invitation, I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to, to even open your eyes. I, I, I would request that you'd respectfully just remain in a posture of prayer, no looking around. If you need to come to the altar because you need to lay your hopelessness down here, do that. Or, 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 or at your pew. But maybe you know somebody in this building today that needs some encouragement and you just need to get up out of your pew and go to that person. That's what, that's what gets uncomfortable, especially on a Sunday morning. There's expectation to be formal and, and, and to be a certain way, but I, I, I'm going to ask us to just to break out of that formality and and that way of thinking. And, and if God's Spirit is telling you, go to somebody and speak a word of encouragement, considering one another, I, I, I want to I, I know that you're obeying the Spirit of God. I'll be available up here if anyone needs prayer. We're going to pray, and then in just a moment, there's a song that's going to be play, uh, playing. And we... Uh, like I said, just, just remain with heads bowed, eyes closed, and, and in, in a spirit of prayer for those around you. Father, we definitely need, need hope. Some of us have given up on our dreams, our God-given dreams. We've, we've given up hope because life hasn't worked out the way we planned. or We've, we've lost our faith, and we're here today just feeling this emptiness, this void. And we need our hope restored. We need, 
We need you to move in our lives again. We need to see evidence of it. So for those feeling hopeless, I pray they leave here feeling hopeful. But then, God, for those who need to reach out and to cross these aisles and go to minister to somebody who's down and out today, I, I pray that people just be obedient to your spirit. If someone needs to come forward to give, to give his or her life to Christ, I pray that they do that. Because they're going to be hopeless until that, that point comes. So, Father, as the music begins and as we remain in an attitude of prayer, God, have your will and way. The music's going to begin. And we encourage you just to obey the Lord as you remain with heads bowed and eyes closed.
stand, please? I want to say one final word. Although the public invitation is over, the invitation of Jesus still remains. Amen? And the opportunity for you to consider one another still goes on. You still have an opportunity to call somebody today, encourage them, drop by their house, do whatever God's Spirit leads you to do. But be obedient. Don't miss the blessing of God filling your heart with hope. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to have been here today. And Lord, we're so grateful for your presence. We thank you. And Lord, as that song says, we, we long for your glory and your presence to fill this place. Lord, we, we long for a move of God. So Father, I pray if there's one who still needs to do business with you, may they do so before they leave here today. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're the giver of life, the giver of hope, the giver of all that we need. And we celebrate that and we give you all the honor and glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We look forward to seeing you tonight at 6 o'clock.